Greetings this afternoon again. Glad that we can again be together. And uh, really thankful for it's an encouragement for me to be able to look out and um, have visitors with us. And again, we welcome you and we're thankful that you're with us here today. Enjoyed visiting here a little bit over the noon hour. It's really a blessing. And um, thankful that we can open the word here this afternoon and trust that the Lord will will uh, speak to us here. I've opened to the book of Job. I have chapters 12, 13, and 14 here. Let's read here from Job chapter 14. Let's read from Job chapter 14, verse 1. Verse 1, it says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. And doth thou open thine eyes upon such an one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest, till he shall accomplish as in hireling his day. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud, and bring forth bows like a plant. But man dieth, and wasteth away, yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth, and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not, till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past. Thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. We'll end reading there for now. Let's pray together. Our great and almighty God, we come before thee again here this afternoon. Thankful, Father, that Thou, being so great and mighty and powerful, having created all things, yet, Father, Thou art willing to hear when Thy children cry out unto Thee. Father, the thought comes, what is man that Thou art mindful of him? The son of man that Thou rememberest him. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Father, here we are before Thee, O Father, here upon the earth so small and weak and needy. 
lifting up our hands to thee, O God, praying, Father, that if thou dost not come and fill our mouths, Father, then we have nothing to offer. But we wait upon thee, O God, and we look to thee as a congregation that waits upon thee, O God, to come and feed us and to come to speak to us here, Father, in this day. Lord, we heard this morning that the time draweth nigh, the day is at hand, the night is far spent. Lord, we were challenged and encouraged to awake to righteousness and to sin not, to redeem the time because the days are evil. We see that that time is running out, Father. So here we are, Father, in the midst of life, so many different things going on in our lives, needing thee, Father, to come and, and help us so that we don't get on the wrong path, Father, so that somehow or another, while we're living life, we wouldn't become deceived, we wouldn't become unlike Christ, we wouldn't become negligent, Lord, we wouldn't become complacent, we wouldn't become lukewarm. Father, that we wouldn't be like that ground covered with thorns and thistles and weeds that was overtaken with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, but that we might remain that good ground, Father, that's able to bring forth fruit, good fruit for Thee. Father, thy word tells us that an evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit, neither does a good tree bring forth evil fruit. By their fruits ye shall know them. Father, it's our desire that we bring forth good fruit. And yet, Lord, we know sometimes that that fruit tree needs pruning and purging. Limbs need to be cut off. Branches need to be mended and taken care of. Windstorms blow through, Lord, and storms of life. And so we need thee as the husbandman to come times like this and teach us and instruct us and plant in our heart and plant in our minds, Lord, that good seed that it might continually spring forth. We're thankful, Father, that thou art, thy son is that living water and that bread of life. We're thankful that though our bodies grow weary at times and we're we feel tired and we feel worn out. Yet, O oh God, we have that source that we can come to in faith. We find ourselves replenished and filled over and over and over again. Enlarge our hearts, O oh God, so that we might receive more and more. For the challenges that face us, O oh God, it seems like we are stretched beyond what we can take at times. It seems like there's no more left of us to stretch. And yet, O oh God, we know in faith that Thou can enlarge our hearts to receive more and more of Thee. But we also know, Father, that it takes walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. For if we walk after the flesh, Father, Thy Word tells us we will perish, even as we heard this morning. But if we walk in the Spirit, as Thou art in the Spirit, we shall have life. So we pray, Father, search our hearts here this afternoon that there would be nothing in our lives that would grieve thy Holy Spirit. Lord, that our consciences could be clear before thee, O Father, that there would be nothing there pressing 
those thoughts of things that yet need done, those situations that need to still be rectified, taken care of, that still bother and trouble our hearts, that form ripples there on an otherwise calm sea. Oh, Lord, if there be anything there, come and put thy finger there in our heart here today. Show us, O God, what is required of us so that we might live that way that really truly pleases thee. And that when we come before thee, we would not be ashamed. But that we might even come boldly and confidently before thee because of what Jesus Christ has done. O Lord, we thank thee for being that faithful, living intercessor for us even in this moment. For we trust, O Lord, that you take these weak prayers of ours, you perfect them as they're brought before the Father, We trust that thou will even take away and add what is lacking, that thou will be pleased to come here now on this afternoon and bless us. Be here in our midst, we pray, O Lord. We love thee and we thank thee, Father. It's in thy son's name we pray, amen. opened here to John chapter 20. Job was hurting, wasn't he? Job didn't see the resurrection at this point in time in his life. And Job was in a time that life seemed pretty hard, seemed pretty hopeless, seemed pretty difficult. If a man die, shall he live again, he asked. Is anybody able to bring something clean out of that which is unclean? That was a real question in Job's time. And as the pains of life and the disappointments of life all pressed upon Job, and his soul was sinking in despair, and he didn't know the end of the story, did he? He didn't know what was coming yet. His hopes seemed pretty well crushed and dashed. And he says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. You know, when we start considering just how small we as men actually are, like a flower, what was it a few weeks ago? The first flowers start coming up. Was it the daffodils? Am I getting that right? Those daffodils came up. They're usually some of the first flowers that come up. Tells you that spring's coming in. And I've noticed something about daffodils is that the daffodils don't, you don't see daffodils, I don't think. I don't think you see daffodils in June. You don't see many daffodils by the time you get into May. I think we've got a few around there yet. Got a few yet. The tulips come up so pretty. I always look forward to the tulips. They're such a, I think they're probably one of my favorite flowers. 
and they're so beautiful. And they, they come springing up out of the ground, and the grass is always so green below them, and it stands in such contrast there. But the tulips don't last very long. It's not long until those petals kind of, one of them falls off or two of them falls off, and pretty soon they're gone. And it doesn't take a lot of reflection for us as men and women to recognize that that is just pretty much how it is for us, isn't it? Our life is like a vapor, says in James. It appeareth for just a little time, and then it fadeth and vanisheth away. We look back, and you know, when we're, when we're 10, a 30-year-old looks pretty old. I remember being 10 and looking at those who were in their 30s, and that was, that was pretty old. I remember my dad. I remember him having his 30th birthday. And I remember him saying that he, he didn't think he'd ever live to see that day. And I couldn't believe. I thought, boy, it is ancient, 30. I, that was a real milestone in my mind, that he had, he, he had hit 30. And looking ahead, you, as a kid, it seems like a year is about an eternity. And then you just keep going, and then it's just not long at all until you look back and 20 years are just gone. Five years are just like yesterday. Remember, remember I was young. I was probably 25 years old. And I can remember standing in my closet. I was on a phone conversation with an elder. And he told me, Dan... He says, those kids of yours, I had a little one at that time. My oldest was probably five, four or five years old. And he said, you better enjoy them. He says, it's like a week. He says, it's like a week. He says, the next thing you know, she'll be 18. She was five at that time, probably four or five at that time. And I thought, well, I'm about on Tuesday, I guess. It's about like a week. I'm about at Tuesday. I thought, I got some time yet. Now I look back and that it's just gone. Just. And those of us who are, it's, I guess, a relative term, but are getting older and who are older, we, we understand that. Life is like a flower. It's like a piece of grass. He cometh forth like a flower. It's cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Yep. I read something the other day that made me feel pretty small. I was so stirred by it, I shared it, had it for devotions with my children, and I shared it, I think, with a couple of young men. But I read something that completely staggered me. and I haven't been able much to stop thinking about it since I read it. This was going on two weeks ago now. 
And it put things really in perspective to me about how, how small we as men are. I got to reading about the size of, of a quark. And for those of you who are older, I don't, I don't know if a quark even means anything to you, if you've ever even heard of a quark before. That was something when we were in school, I didn't know anything about quarks. Smallest thing that I knew of in school, they said was an atom that was then made up of protons and neutrons and electrons. And, and they threw out numbers there that I didn't care about at the time, but I knew it was something really small. But science has found out since I've been in school, there's such things as apparently as quarks. And when they try to measure the size of these quarks, I can't get my mind around how absolutely, they're, they're almost a non-measurement, if that's possible, almost a, a, a negative measurement. And yet it's the, the most basic building block of life, if I'm understanding it correct at this point, that they know of. And I'm sure that when these young men get to be my age, they'll find out that if life goes on, they'll find science will have found that quarks are actually huge in comparison to what they've found 20 years from now. They're never going to exhaust that. That how the infinitesimal nothingness of you keep breaking it down. And what are they in search for? They're in search for where does life, like what is the most basic building block for life? Man is really, truly fascinated with life, though they don't even understand it. They're afraid of it. They're afraid of death. But they want to get back to the, the, the bottom of it. Where does this come from? And, and, but God has made it. You keep breaking it down and keep breaking it down. And they're not going to get to the bottom of it. God spoke it into existence, and there was life. God said, let it be, and it was so. But as I considered how small that was, I won't get the numbers exact, but just so we're working on a little bit on a scale, and I'm thinking in reference here to this verse that what is man? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We look astronomically huge compared to these quarks. Can't fathom how much bigger we are than a quark. But these quarks, if you took a grain of sand, and you young men are going to have to correct me, you probably have this in your books, but... You take a grain of sand, and, and a million times smaller than that grain of sand is, a, is a, what, what they call a, a, a DNA double helix. I don't know what all that is, but that's what they tell me. A million times smaller than the grain of sand is a double helix. And then if you took that double helix, and I, I'm going to mess the numbers up, but if 40 times smaller than that, we'll say, is a hydrogen atom. But then you get down there, and, it, and it's something, oh my, protons, let's say a thousand times smaller than that. And then 2,000 times smaller than that proton, you have this quark. It, we simply cannot get our mind around it, how small it is. Then I got to thinking I wanted to see going the other way, and I shared this with some of these young men, but it's just, it's utterly staggered me. We think about the infinite, or the, the infinitesimal, and then we think of the, 
the greatness and the, and the vastness of what God has created. And on the other end of this, the immensity, the immensity of what God has created. And they tell me that there's a, there's a star, it's called, a, a, I believe, a white dwarf, and you can look into this and correct me wherever I'm wrong on this, but it gets the point across. But they tell me there's a white dwarf star that's about the size of the earth. It's 200,000 times more dense than the earth, and it puts out enough energy in one second. In one second, this white dwarf star puts out enough energy to supply the power needs of our earth for 10,000 years in one second. And they tell me that our sun is quite a bit larger than that white dwarf. You could fit a million earths within our sun, and it produces in one second enough energy to provide the power needs of the earth for 10 million years. I can't fathom that. One second. A million times larger. Think about man as just this little flower. The sun comes up and it withers. It's gone. It's a vapor. They say that there's enough energy being put out from the sun that if you convert that to horsepower, it came up with a number I can't even, can't even, I wouldn't know what it was if I looked at it there on the paper. But to demonstrate the amount of power that's coming off of the sun, they said if you took a, a bridge of ice that was two miles wide and a, wide and a mile deep, and you stretched it from here to earth, from earth to the sun, which is 93 million miles away, which is a number that we can't fathom, but I believe it's 93 million miles away. If you stretched a bridge of ice that was two miles wide, a mile thick, from here to the sun, there's enough power coming off of that sun that in one second it would melt that bridge. And God just spoke it into existence. He didn't have to labor with his hands. He didn't have to work. And, and he just said, let it be, and it was so. And they tell me that, that there's, a, there's a star they call the pistol star that makes our sun look it's pretty small. They say that it produces in six seconds what it takes the sun to produce in an entire year. I can't fathom that. They say that that is nothing in comparison to, I believe, what they call a quasar. And they say these quasars outshine our entire galaxy, not just our sun, not just the pistol star, not all the the white dwarfs, but the billions of stars that we have in our galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, these quasars outshine all of that a hundred times over. And that there are these galaxies that are millions of light years out there, and light's traveling at 186,000 miles a second. 186,000 miles a second, and it takes millions of years They're so far away that it takes millions of years for light to reach. And then this is what I heard. As I was considering all that, and I was trying to take all that in, and as I was meditating upon it, and it literally makes my head hurt, I heard it put down to a scale that I could understand. There was a lady 600 years ago, roughly, And she saw something. There was something that was revealed to her. And she saw something very small 
It was only as big as roughly the size of a hazelnut, she said. About the size of a marble. And it was revealed to her that that represented everything that was made. Everything that was made was in the size of that hazelnut. I thought the vastness of this great creation that our God has spoken into existence, and then you bring it all down into the size of a marble. That's all that is made. And yet God is outside of all of this, expanding eternity, going on infinitely, omnipotent in all of his ways. There's no end to him. This is as if he just holds it in the palm of his hand. And then what is man? We become like that little cork, don't we? Less than that cork. Less than that little non-entity. Less than that. We're on a scale that is unfathomably small and nothing. Do you see why pride is so obnoxious and horrible in the sight of God? To think that we are anything? I didn't get to John chapter 20 yet. But what is really difficult, what staggers me, is how nothing we are and how great God is. And then we come to a, the gospel account that God in his, in his greatness that can speak these things into existence can then humble himself to the point of coming down to a planet. That if you were standing on the nearest star, looking back this way, you wouldn't even see it. You couldn't even see it. And yet the great creator God loving us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son would come down from all of his glory and all of his and would and would manifest himself here upon the earth. It's staggering. It's absolutely staggering. He comes not as a great king, not as a great monarch, not as someone coming that was sitting on a throne but to just completely blow us away so that there's no possible way except it leaves us at a place of adoring and worship of our great God. That he would come and be born of a woman who is so infinitesimally small, we can't even begin to fathom and yet God has come and he will be born of a, of a woman, not in a palace, but in a manger. And he doesn't come and start growing and now he's three years old and the whole world's running after him. The whole world is just can't get enough of Jesus. He's unknown. He's, he's obscure. Until he's, he's 30 years old until he, he enters into this great work. 
And so unlike us who are as the flower of the field, it's cut down and we think we're something. We try to climb the ladder. We try to get big. We try to build up things. We, try, we want recognition. We want people to know us. We want people to see what we're doing. We want people to see how great we are. Christ comes, born of a woman, in a manger, immediately hunted down, pursued by the devil and by the kings of the earth. And he doesn't rise up, does he? He just keeps going down and just keeps going down. Until he's crucified there and he's laid in a tomb and all of man's hopes are dashed, aren't they? All of men can say with Job, now what do we do? Our king is dead. Our Lord is gone. If he were a tree, we'd have hope that at the smell of rain, as it says here, it'd spring forth and bud again. But can man die and live again? If a man die, shall he live again? It starts to make my brain hurt whenever I start thinking of the greatness of our God. I can tell, I can see it in some of your eyes. It just, it, I think you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're bored. I hope not bored. I love to think about my great God and what he's done. I, I can't take it in. But, I, I, but it causes me to worship. I think we lack in worship sometimes. I think we lack actually really, truly worshiping our God where we feel so awed and struck by his enormity and our nothingness that it leaves us at a place where all we can do is just worship. You know what that is? And all of humanity is in despair and crushed and defeated by death. And they see and sense their nothingness, that they're like a flower that's cut off. And then there's my Christ, my Lord, my God. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they've laid him. Can a dead man rise? Not in Mary's mind. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Job here says not one. 
And he's right. As men, we cannot, we can't do that, can we? That which is dirty is dirty. But the Lord, in shedding his blood, it can cleanse the sinner. It can take that which is vile and it can wash it away. It can remove it. And that guilty conscience, it can come and it can make it smooth. And there can be peace. There's no ripples. Can a man, if a man dies, shall he live again? Yes, he shall, through Christ. Christ came, God in the flesh came here upon the earth and purchased and redeemed mankind, ransomed them from the grave, that we might have hope and that we might live again. And we do not fear death. It's what we deserve. It's a just and a right punishment for the sins that we've committed. But our great and almighty God has come and prepared a way for us. In that prayer, I prayed, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Zeb shared that with me this past week, and I've been thinking about that ever since. What is man that thou art mindful of him? He would come, give his life, poured out in service on this small little earth. And brethren, I don't believe that we've begun to see but a fraction of the greatness of our God. He came and he manifested himself here upon this little earth, but how much of that was really revealed to us? It will take all of eternity, and and then eternity upon eternity, to learn of our great and almighty God. And as I've said before, I'll say it again, if these things do not fascinate us now, if we do not meditate upon it now, if it does not enthrill our hearts now to meditate upon the greatness of our God, then heaven will be boring to us, and it will be, it will be no heaven. 